Hey, thanks, bro. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Well, we're doing so good, Joel. First week of school was amazing. Oh, thank you so much. No, really, how is, uh, actually, not everybody has started school. Who started school already? Who has yet to start school? Boo. So uh, we're going to take a moment. We're going to pass out little handouts and pens. So this is called the stalling to pass out pen time. So... Look out for cyclists. <laughs> all right. All right, so it's, it's so easy. So easy to miss what's right in front of us. Um, so easy to miss what's in front of us. We just went backpacking, woo, uh, and that was two weeks ago now. And, you know, as you're backpacking, it's beautiful. It's awesome to be out there. There's uh, just trees, sometimes tiny little woodland creatures, but no bears because it's too high of elevation. And they're always like, bring bear canisters. Watch out for the bears. There's never going to be bears. Um, watch next year. Joel was mauled by a bear. Um, so with backpacking, it's beautiful, but you'll, oft, you'll often be reminded that civilization does exist when you hear like airplanes go over and they're like a million feet in the air. And you, that's, how, that's like the million, it's the elevation. And they, they fly over. And what's interesting is that they fly over, and they're going a million miles an hour, and they can miss like what's so beautiful. Um, and they're just kind of going over. And they have no idea that Dinky Lake Wilderness exists. They have no idea that we're down there. They don't know it's beautiful. They're just kind of probably asleep in the airplane. And for a lot of us, when it comes to our school year, um, it's easy to miss the beautiful things. It's easy to miss our purpose. It's easy to miss the things that are right in front of us because we're going so fast. And we're so distracted. Um, and we live in Orange County. And there's so much going on. Um, and it's easy to miss what's right in front of us. Um, so we're in a series. It's called I Choose. And you can put these up on the screen. Here are things that we're choosing. Um, we are going to be choosing purpose over popularity. That's what Naya talked about last week. We're choosing people over screens, discipline over regret, and the important over the urgent. So this week we're talking about people over screens. Next week we're talking about choosing um, discipline over regret. It's like my favorite thing that we're going to talk about. We're talking about choosing what we want most over what we want now. Choosing discipline over regret. So let's all say these together. This week I choose purpose over popularity, people over screens, discipline over regret, the important over the urgent. Um, and so the thing that distracts us probably the most is our screens, and that's what we're talking about today. I need to tell you something. I love technology. I love screens. I have an Apple Watch. Uh, I don't use it because it was a poor purchase, but I have it. I buy, like, the newest iPhone. I love technology. I can call and, like, video chat my grandma in Georgia where, like, 10 years ago you couldn't do that, and I'd have to go visit her in person. Um, we can do amazing things. I could order us all Chick-fil-A. Nope, it's Sunday. Can't do that. I could order us almost anywhere, any, any place you wanted to eat. I could order it right now by the end of the sermon. Boom. It could be here. Technology is amazing, and I love it. Um, here's the thing. Technology is also dangerous. Turn to someone and say, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Our screens are dangerous because our screens are like are like this from Harry Potter. This is the mirror of, anyone know what this mirror is called? What is it? Erised. It's the mirror of Erised. Here's the deal about mirrors. 
The mirror, a mirror itself is not bad, okay? You know what's bad? Your hairdo when you walk into the mirror in the morning, right? You, you're you're what, make, what makes the mirror look bad. <laughs> you're what makes the mirror look ugly. I went to church and Joel dissed me. It was great, Mom. Uh, so a mirror in itself is not bad. A mirror is a reflection of what the person puts in the mirror. So the mirror of a set in Harry Potter, when you look into it, also the, the word Aristide, it's uh, spelled backwards as what? Desire. When you look in the mirror in Harry Potter, it shows you what you desire. So Harry's looking in the mirror and he sees the desire of having himself uh, with his parents because they have, they have passed away. Um, here's the thing. Our phones are not necessarily bad, but our phones mirror and reflect the brokenness of humanity and the brokenness of our own hearts. So we don't need to just, oh, we're going to blame Netflix. We're going to blame the screens. We're going to blame technology. Now, technology can be good and bad, but what it does do is it reflects the good and bad in our own hearts. It's a reflection. So I don't want this to be like a Sunday sermon of, Joel said that phones stink, and then you see me on my phone outside with my Apple Watch, right? And then I'm, Adam's flying a drone. No, I'm not saying technology is bad. I'm saying it's both. Um, but technology has the ability of making us distracted. Um, with our phones, I like to imagine my phone is a very, very needy friend. A needy friend who's always like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at what I'm doing. Like a little kid, like a toddler, like watch me somersault, watch me somersault, look at me, beep, beep, boop, boop, look at me, touch me. This is a, like an annoying codependent person that is with you all the time. This is your phone, the distraction instrument of dreams. Uh, we look at our phones every 4.3 seconds. Some of you are looking at your phone right now. We look at our phones so much that it's actually... Um, it's causing us um, more and more anxiety and depression because of how much we look at our phones because there's a part of our brain that gets super active and that part gets flooded by dopamine. And we, anyways, we can go into it. Um, we also become numb to cool things. So the more you're on your phone, kind of the, the less you might be in awe of creation. I was talking to one of, my, um, one of the students I counseled like a few years ago and he was saying um, that he was on his phone so much that worship, which used to be something really cool where he felt and experienced God, he no longer felt that. Because we're, we're, so, we're getting so many highs from our phone that just the normal day, everyday life is no longer entertaining, and we become numb to it. Um, so our phones, uh, our phones do this. The first thing you're going to write down is our, our screens can distract us from our relationship with others. With others. Uh, we've talked about this before, but, but we're, we're a generation. I don't know, you generation X, Z, Z. All of us are a generation, um, which I'm a millennial, but um, we are people who have kind of continuous partial attention. So I'm here preaching a sermon. Oh, but Adam just texted me. Good to go. Thanks, Adam. That was from a few minutes ago, I think, unless you're complimenting my sermon right now. Um, but I'm here present physically, but there's always an opportunity that someone could text me and I could start talking to them. So, you know, you're, at, you're sitting at coffee with someone and your phone's like this, and you're like, yeah, totally, that's really hard. And then the screen lights up, and you're like, oh, okay. And then we're always half present. Um, anyone else see that in their own life? You're, and some people, like, what I do now is I just turn my phone like this. Sometimes I even leave my phone at home when I go to dinner. Whoa. And then I'm having dinner with Vicky, and she's on her phone. So it's like, what are we doing? Just kidding. Um, um, so... Um, here's the deal. It was interesting. I was reading a study this week. Uh, if you're really interested in how screens are impacting us, you should read a book called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. I read it this week. 
Um, and in it, they talk about um, the irony of people who text while driving. Who texts while driving in here? Just kidding. All right. <laughs> Did someone raise their hand? Whitney raised her hand. Do you ever look at someone's story and it's like they're in their car like, hey, and it's like, what are you doing? You're going to crash. All right. Freshmen and sophomores, you don't struggle with this. So there was an irony, though, in looking at people who text while driving. And it was saying that, that they look down and they text. And here's the deal. In the moment when you look at your screen, whether you're driving or whether you're at coffee, what they found was this. In that moment, you're saying, the person who's not here who is texting me is more important than the people who are here and are around me. Do you, so when you're driving and you look down at your phone, when people do that, they're saying, this person who texted me, this thing is more important than the safety and well-being of people who are on the street now. And I ran over that grandma, right? <laughs> it, do you see the irony there? When we check our phones, we're saying, this is more important than physical, real people around us. When usually those text messages, if we're honest, Sometimes we should just do this. When you see, like, just like, don't look at your text messages for an hour and think, would it have been that bad of a thing if I hadn't responded? You know, like, did I really need to look at that? Um, and so for a lot of us, our screens are distracting us from our relationship with others. And so I want you to look at Jesus, because Jesus is a model for how we are to handle our screens. So we're going to be in chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, anyone open it up. Is it hot in here? Nope. You guys are feeling good. Cool. Um, so Mark's story, it starts with Jesus and his disciples. He's returning from the west side of the Sea of Galilee. Um, Jesus is super popular. He is the celebrity of that time. Everyone is coming to him. He has a following. And so many people want stuff from Jesus because they got a lot of problems. And there's this guy named Jairus. He's a leader of the local Jewish congregation. And he's pushing through the crowd. And he asks Jesus to save his daughter before she dies. Jairus, his daughter, is going to die, so Jairus pushes his way through the crowd. His daughter is 12 years old, just so young. And, and he, his hope is that this Jesus is going to do something because he's heard rumors of Jesus being able to heal the sick. And so he goes. And so if you were just told to heal someone and, and like you know that you can do it, um, what, what would you be feeling in that moment? Okay, I got this. Where would you go? You would go straight to that person, right? Um, and so for you, your mind would be set. I'm going to Jairus' house. I'm going to go heal this person. And what would be important? What about all the crowds that were screaming at you, who are pushing in on you? Would those be important? No, because you have a mission. You have a directive, and you've got to go save. You've got to go save Jairus' daughter. Um, but here, here's what happens. A large, if, you wanna, if you're reading, we're in Mark 5, you can read along. A lo, a Mark 5, verse 25. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. This is like, this is like a 12-year menstruation cycle. This is like, a, a, I know it's awkward and it's weird, and the Bible is awkward and weird, and you want to feel it. Yes, feel the awkward giggles. Um, which, if you know anything about um, cleanliness laws, uh, if you go to, if you want to like do some nerdy research, go to Leviticus 15. You can read all about just blood and stuff. Um, and so, she's been bleeding. It's interesting. Jesus is going to heal a girl who's how old? And this, this, um, this woman who's been bleeding. How long has she been bleeding? For 12 years. Whoa. I don't know what that is, but it's cool. Um, and so, there's this bleeding woman who is unclean by Levitical law. She's not supposed to be around people. 
because um, she is seen as unclean. Okay. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she was getting worse. She tried all the fads. She did all the diets. She did all the uh, herbal treatments and essential oils. And she did all the therapy. And she went to every foot doctor in the world. And they have feet doctor. They touch your feet and tell you what's going on. Um, she went to every person possible. Um, but it's only making it worse. I love that because for a lot of us, we have stuff that goes on in our life. We have hurt and pain. And we try to find answers. And we try to find solutions in other people. Um, but when, when we stop giving to those other people, when she stops giving money to them, when the money dries up, those people are no longer there to help her. Um, and often the solutions that we try to find to our hurt and our pain, it just like makes things worse. It just makes things worse, right? We cope with our pain by doing certain things. I'm going to watch more TV, or I'm going to, uh, I don't know, I'm going I'm to drink, or I'm going to hang out with these certain people, or I, I'm going to, uh, so we cope with things in negative ways, and those negative coping mechanisms actually make things worse often. Um, okay, so you have this woman. Let's keep, let's keep reading. Um, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? Um, all right, so you have this woman. What do you think she's feeling? Pain? How would you be feeling if you were told you were unclean? How would that impact you? You make you sad. What have, what have I told you that because you're unclean, you can't hang out with people anymore? Lonely? She's lonely. She's isolated. Her, her condition has made her isolated from others. It's crazy that she's even in the crowd, like wandering around, because anyone she touches also becomes unclean. It's kind of like selfish a little bit. Selfish or desperate. Because she's like, I don't care how much this is hurting other people. This is, the, like, this is what I have to do. This is my last chance. Um, okay, so he's, uh, she's cut off. She's isolated. And then the most powerful words in Scripture, I feel like. Some of those, not the most powerful, but in this passage at least is this. He turned around in the crowd. Oh, it's big, yeah. <laughs> we need to see this. He turned around in the crowd. He had a destination and a place to go. And there was probably, there was hundreds of people crowding in on him. But he was so, Jesus is so present. He is so present. He is not distracted. He is not checking his phone. He is not looking at everybody that's around him and all the distractions. He's not just focused on what's ahead of him with going to Jairus' house. He is so present that he's able to touch, the, he's able to feel the tiniest touch of a woman who touches the back of his cloak. That is crazy. That is wild. Jesus is present. I want you to write this down. This is your FaceTime challenge. We'll talk about it in a second. Be like Jesus and walk slow. We need to walk slow, like Jesus. Um, what's amazing is Jesus is looking. He turns around and he's looking for who touched him. And I feel like this is the reason why maybe a lot of people stop coming to church, or the reason that they, they, like they stop spending time with God, is that they expect God to be looking for them. And they expect God to be looking for them, Jesus to be looking at them, to condemn them. 
to tell them they're not good enough, to tell them they're not clean. But what is Jesus doing? Let's keep reading. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus is looking for her. Jesus is looking for you, not to just tell you how much you suck. Not to tell you how you've already blown it the first week of school. Not to tell you, here, you need to regret everything that you've done in your past. Jesus is looking at you to love you and say, daughter, your faith has made you well. A small amount of faith and trust is what it takes. Um, so Jesus is present. Um, this is a quote from the book that I was reading this week. We find it hard to associate with the lowly around us. Instead, we retreat into our phone, projecting our scorn for complex situations or for boring people. In both cases, have you guys ever done that? When like, you just pretend to be on your phone or you just like, look down at your phone so you don't have to talk to anybody or look at someone? Um, just me. Uh, in both cases, when we grab our phones, we air a sense of superiority to others, often without knowing it. <laughs> We miss the people in our midst for the people on our phone, and he doesn't. He walks slow. So that's one of the challenges I have for you this week. At, at Forest Home, when I worked there, they told you to walk slow wherever you go. Like, you might be running to set up recreation on the field. You might be running to lead worship. There might be, like, a bear down at the field. Maybe you should run for that. Um, but for the most part, you should walk wherever you go. This week, I want to challenge you. Every day this week, would you find a time during your day where, you're, where you, maybe you silence your phone, you leave your phone at home, and when you're at school, don't put your ear pods in. No, ear pods because there's other versions. I also have AirPods, so if you're like, Joel, take on AirPods. No. Stop trying to escape uncomfortable situations by retreating in your technology. Take it out and let's be fully present with people because Jesus is calling us to the people around us, not at the expense of the people in our phones. Let's slow down and be present. I'm passionate about this because this is me. Like how many conversations I, I wonder if I've missed because I've just been on my phone. What if you were to walk through your campus and just walk? You're not on your phone. You're not listening to anything and you're present to whatever God brings, to whatever awkwardness happens because <laughs> things get awkward because um, it's real people. All right, cool. Um, Paul says in... Um, Oh, sorry, no, this is, this is in, sorry, this is John. Um, Though I have much to write to you, this is 2 John, verse 12, um, I would rather not use paper and ink. That was like John's, like, technical technology back then was paper and ink. It was revolutionary, paper and ink. Um, instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face that, may, that way our joy may be complete. Paul's like, I, just, I can't just write to you. I can't just text to you about this. I need to be with you face to face. Because even back then, dude, the, the more, like, like, technology makes it so there's more misunderstandings, there's more anger, there's more, like, we objectify people, we don't actually listen to others. But I want to be with you face to face. This book I was reading this week says, the, the Christian challenge is to love not in, text and uh, in tweets and texts only, but even more in physical, in deeds and physical presence. Jesus is our model. We need to be present. All right. So, um... That our first point is our screens can distract us from our relationship with others. Second problem, our screens can distract us from our relationship with God. Write that down. Um, you can't just go out after this sermon and be like, I'm going to try to be more present and I'm going to have healthy relationships and yay, it's all on me. 
Um, if you look at the cross, something interesting about the cross, um, and I heard this from like a preacher once, is you can, can you turn those lights on? Anyways, the cross is both vertical and horizontal, right? What would happen? Woo! Um, <laughs> what would happen if you take the vertical part of the cross off? What happens to the horizontal part? Falls to the ground. If you guys want to have healthy horizontal relationships this year, if you want to be fully present with others, if you don't want to have more relational baggage this year, if you want to be a light on your campus and love others and have a healthy community, the horizontal alone is not going to cut it. It has to be connected and rooted and sourced in the vertical relationship with God. Right? Jesus reconciles, makes right your relationship between God and you. And then he calls you to love and reconcile. And Jesus loved you when you were at your worst and you were broken. And then you can love others when they're at their worst and they're awkward and they're broken. Because you know what that's like. We need to have a connection to God before we can have the connection to others. If you try to do the connection with others without the connection to God, it's going to fall and be broken and work for a, set, a second when you're in a good mood and had a healthy diet. And then it's all going to go away. Um, so our screens distract us from our relationship with God. Um, so Jesus was always in a pattern of stepping back. Be like Jesus and step back to reconnect with your Heavenly Father. Jesus didn't let the agenda of other people dictate his schedule. He decided where he was going and what he was about. He didn't let the, the influence of, of other people. He had so many parties he can go to. Jesus is more popular than you. He had more followers than you. But he didn't let those things dictate his purpose. And so we can be like Jesus, and he would step back. Um, in, uh, in, in Luke 5, he, it just, there's a pattern of uh, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And if you look through the Gospels over and over and over again, things get crazy. Everyone wants to hang out with Jesus, and what would Jesus do? He would say, cool, I love you guys, but I'm going to retreat to lonely places, to places of solitude, to be with God. Because if he wasn't with his father, he wasn't going to be able to have that connection to others. Um, cool, your second FaceTime challenge, be like Jesus and step back to reconnect with your Heavenly Father. How are we doing this? This is partly why we have Catalina at the beginning of the school year. This is a chance for you to step back, reconnect with God. Also, um, this year we're going to be doing, uh, this fall we're doing a series on the book of Exodus which we are super stoked about. Is it on the screen? Awesome. Um, we are going to have like a, a full devotional for you guys to be reading through. Um, but even start today. Before you reach for your screens, which you're going to, all of you reach for your screens within the first five minutes. That's what the stats say. You can lie. But most of us are doing that. And why do we do that? Because we're addicted to our screens. If you want to know the test of addiction, what do you reach for when you wake up? What are you reaching for when you wake up? I want you just, just to notice. The time when we're really, we're, we're setting our heart for what the agenda's going to be for the whole day, it's like if you were to wake up and have a cheeseburger right in your bed. I know that some people do that, but you were to wake up and have a cheeseburger, you're going to have a terrible day, all right? But we wake up and we flood ourselves with other people. We flood ourselves with more likes. It's not, that's not where we should begin, and so... We're going to be choosing. We're going to be choosing scripture over screens. The first ten minutes you wake up, we want you to choose scripture over screens. Okay? And you're like, my phone's in my Bible. We'll get you a physical Bible. Read a physical Bible. It's cool. You can do this for research and stuff. And there's cool devotionals on it. You should also have a physical Bible that you're able to to, to write in, take notes. And if you don't have one of those, we'd love to hook you up. Um, cool. 
So FaceTime challenge number one. You're going to, just at different times throughout your day, just put it on airplane mode, do not disturb, or leave it at home, and be, walk slow and be physically present. Cool? Second FaceTime challenge is that you're going to choose scripture over screen in the morning. Cool. These are your challenges for fall. Not for this week, but for fall. This is what we're going to be trying to do. All of summer was about you sharing your story. This is about you being present enough in your world to connect with God and share your story with others. Um, sound good? All right. So what are you going to choose this week? You got choices. You're going to choose relationships over screens. Um, and I know that screens help us, help us connect to relationships. Um, and often those relationships are a thousand wide and an inch deep. So we really want to be physically present and have FaceTime with people. Um, cool. So we're going to spend some time um, just answering some questions in here about kind of our tech usage and screen usage. So what we're going to do now is we want you to, we're just going to have 10 minutes while we're doing this, split up into a group of um, 10, 8 to 10 people. Try to mix with the classes that you have. So have one person from each class. Do not sit with someone who is within five feet of you right now. All right, ready, go. Break up. Find a leader.